Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Well, first I must say you guys sounded amazing with that song. I heard just about everybody singing, which was incredible. And what a great reminder. Um, we so often don't live there, remembering what Christ did for us, reminding us of what we were. <laughs> we don't like to live there, do we? The were. Because like as we learned last week, we're saints. That's a whole lot more exciting, <laughs> being saints than being dead. Um, now to shift gears. <laughs> Noah's Ark. We're going to learn a couple things this morning. Not in the passage, but just in the joke. <laughs> There's always something you can learn from Noah's Ark. Just a few little tidbits. Just thought I'd give you, just so you know. First one is, don't miss the boat. <laughs> okay. Don't miss the boat. Remember that we are still in the same boat together. Three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Four, stay fit. When you're 60 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big. How many people are nearing that age, huh? God may want you to be doing something really big. Get ready. Five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. I like that one. Six, build your future on higher ground. Seven, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. Eight, speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. So God brings all things together to happen. Nine, when you're stressed, float a while. Ten, remember the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic professionals. <laughs> and that really ties in with what we're going to be talking about today, which I love. And then 11, no matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. So cool things to remember. Lessons learned from Noah's Ark. Um, I'm excited about today because yesterday I actually went somewhere, saw people, interacted with them, and it felt normal. It was like, I remember this. This is really cool. I remember people and seeing their whole face and having them talk and hear and all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. And it's like, I, you know, there's this whole new world that is kind of coming back to life for us post-pandemic. And I think that's kind of where Paul was at. Not that they were having a pandemic uh, in Corinth, but it's like sometimes, based on life, based on circumstances, based on things that are going on, the troops need to get refocused. And I think, you know, that's true today. As the troops, you know, we need to get refocused and remember that there's so much more that we can be doing. There's so much more that can be happening um, because the distraction of what has been happening is gone. And so getting back about the Father's business, right? Remember Christ was always about the Father's business, the Father's work? And I think that's something that we need to be mindful of. So... There's three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at the messengers. We're going to look at the message. We're going to look at the method. And uh, Paul lays it out nice and clearly. I love him about that. He's very specific. 
And, and there's some things going on here that we're going to learn that to refocus the troops, we have to remember to go back to some things. And I think the last song we sang was perfect for us. You know, without Christ, our lives would be completely different. Uh, without being believers, the outcomes in our life would be completely different. Not trusting God's word and his truth, if we weren't there, our lives would be completely different. And so I think that's what's happen what was happening here is there's some division, and we're going to learn about that in a minute as we read through. And it's like Paul's going, hold on, hold on. You know, you're, you're getting off on the message. You're, you're using methods that, you know, were never intended to be used to just live the Christian life and be messengers for the Father. And so hopefully this morning, you're, you're going to be challenged uh, to kind of have to just shake off what's been happening this past year and go, all right, shake off the dust from your feet and go, let's take a different direction now and let's move forward refocused. So let's pray and then let's get into the word a little bit. So pray with me now. Father, as we come before you this morning, we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful for your word, for the truth that it bears, but also, Lord, for the motivation that it provides. Uh, Lord, you use unique things to accomplish your will, and it is such an encouragement to see, to hear, and to be a part of. We pray, Lord, that as we get into your word, that it would speak with power and might, and Lord, that it would touch hearts and minds to be transformed and changed so that we would walk out of this place more like Christ. Uh, we're trusting you to work through your spirit now, and it's in your name we do pray. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1. We're going to pick up from where Walt left off last week, and we're going to kind of blast through the, <laughs> the rest of the chapter. So um, we're not going to belabor a lot of text, but we are going to read through all of it because I think it's, it's vital that we do. So if you're using a, one of the Bibles that are in the chairs. It's page 13, 10, and 11. Uh, if you have your own Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to zip down to verse 10 and start there, talking about the messengers. And that's going to be from verses 10 to 17. So starting in verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. I can't help but think, you know, it's... We've had a year of very interesting church life, bizarre church life. And um, I know, myself, I have like probably, I couldn't tell you how many hours of other spiritual leaders, you know, 
messages I've taken in over the year because just listening to, to different topics and different people speak and those kinds of things. And we've gotten used to kind of consuming spiritual things on TV. And, and that's not what God has really wanted us to do because I don't know about you. And I know if you're introverted, you're like, eh, you're so off, <laughs> off track. But when I'm here with you, I am an energized person. I mean, I just, I, I'm excited to talk about spiritual things. I'm excited to talk about the Word of God. I'm excited to interact with people because God has been about people since day one. And he wants this interaction because when we are in this kind of an environment, we can sharpen one another, challenge one another, help one another grow. And this environment does that. At home, on the couch, or in bed, <laughs> doesn't do that as well. And we're, we're called to come together and, and to talk about these things in such a way that it does grow us, change us, and have us move forward in life. Now, as I read this, I'm reminded of Romans 15:5. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And so the whole idea of coming together and being united is key. Now, we're all from this area. We all have friends, family, co-workers in this area that are unsaved, that we want to see come to Christ. And part of us being united together in that is praying for one another, pursuing these people for one another. You know, not in a crazy way, but in a way where it's the gospel is getting out in such a way through the body that the community is starting to get impacted. And so as the messengers, which is really what we are, yes, we're saints, but we're saints with a message. And it's like our, that message is going to be lived out in a couple of different ways how we live just day to day. You know, our neighbors know we're church people. Guess why? We leave every morning, every Sunday morning, I'm sorry, <laughs> every morning. We leave every Sunday morning and go somewhere. And when I was asked about where do you go, I said church. <laughs> and so it's like, those are the ways we can start to talk to our neighbors, talk to different people about who we are and why we do what we do. And see, that becomes another part of the messenger See, bringing God's word into our life and not getting caught up in details, not getting caught up in outside things becomes so important for us. Because when we're about the Father's business, it's about living in such a way where our lives become a testimony to the people around us, to the people we work with, to, to our friends and family. And I know friends and family are the hardest people to reach, but they are reachable. I want you to know that they are reachable. Um, as messengers, we're to be united in our efforts. You know, we're not to be divided. And so it's like making sure that we keep things right here. Because if we can't keep things right here, how can we do it out there? Right? Because we all love one another, right? We all care for one another. We're family. We're co-laborers. So it's like we should be able to make this all work. We need to be a unified body of believers. John challenges us. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so sometimes it's letting love cover some things between us. Sometimes it's loving someone enough to say, you know, hey, I think you're stepping off the path or you're making some decisions that are going to be harmful to you. Uh, sometimes it's loving someone enough to sacrifice 
time, effort, energy, money, whatever, to help someone else move forward. But it's all part of becoming unified. Secondly, I think serving the Lord as Jesus demonstrated. And that's the whole idea of in the same mind, in the same judgment. And it's adopting a biblical lifestyle. And it's, you know, it's becoming more and more challenging today to do that. Because there's stuff to do, stuff to do, stuff to do, stuff to do, stuff to do. And we can load up our calendar and be busy about good things, but necessarily not God things. And so it's like we've got to make those choices. We've got to make those trades where God things are a priority. And the people of God become a priority. Not, not in this like, okay, if I ordered my world this way, these, this is the outcome that's going to happen. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later uh, in, in the passage. But it is about making the change. Understanding that you know, we will be a different type of messenger if we are more biblical with how we live, more biblical with what we bring into our lives and what comes out of our lives. Thirdly, focus on the message, not the technique. And you're like, huh? <laughs> Sometimes we can get so caught up in how do we communicate the gospel to people or how do we tell, talk to people about spiritual things or biblical things or whatever. We get so caught up in those kinds of details. And, you know, we'll listen to specific people or we'll, you know, Google all kinds of messages and stuff like that to try to gain certain types of wisdom. And that becomes all about us trying to make it happen. And know what we miss when we do that? The Holy Spirit's work in our life. Because it's like God wants to use the Spirit. If you're a believer today and you've trusted Christ, His Spirit's living within you. Walt was very clear about that, right? We're saints. We've got the Holy Spirit living within us. Let's not <laughs> sidestep the Holy Spirit. He's there, wanting to work, wanting to lead, wanting to guide. But again, God is so faithful to be true to Himself He's never going to hold a gun to our heads to say, you've got to do this as a believer. We've got to make those choices. We've got to open our lives up to be obedient and to be listening to the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to say and do certain things. And I can tell you with complete experience, in moments where you're at a loss of what to say, God shows up. There have been countless times where a word has popped into my head, and I'm just like, well, God's giving me this to say. And I'm like, okay. And I say it. And it usually blows the other person out of the water. They're just like, why would you say that? And I said, well, that's sort of what God gave me to say. I kind of questioned it because it seemed weird. But here it is. And God shows up. And see, that's the thing. And it's, when we get a little further down in the text, it'll make a little bit more sense why. But God wants to work, but we've got to invite him into that. And part of that is slowing down a little bit, not trusting in certain things, and allowing his spirit to work. So focusing on the message, not the technique. And, that, you know, it says right here in the last part of verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. See, the power is in Christ. 
The power is in the spirit. The power is in what God can do. And so when we try to do that, we just diminish the work of Christ. So a couple questions before we move on. Paul was called to serve God through preaching the gospel. Where is God calling you to serve as a messenger? And I mean, that, it's, I'm not saying you all have to be evangelists. That's crazy. I understand that. But we're gifted by God to serve him in some way. We all get spiritual gifts at the time of salvation to serve him with. Because that's, that's part of the messenger's journey is being involved with the message. <laughs> and so where has God called you to serve? Within the body, without the body? I mean, how? Secondly, are you applying the word of God so it becomes part of you and your message can be caught as others watch you? And, and I don't want you to kind of adopt this... Um, hypocritical sort of putting on a show for people. I don't want you to hear that. I want you to hear when we take on biblical living, biblical principles, and start living them out, people see them. Because God's word causes us to live differently. Completely different. And guess what? People notice different. <laughs> How come you did that? How come you said that? How come you didn't do that? How come you didn't say that? And I think sometimes that scares us. That we're going to have to go, oh, well, God said that I should live this way. And we are scared to death that someone's going to go, you're a crazy person. And we've got to be willing to take that and understand that you don't get it because <laughs> you're not a believer. And that's hard sometimes for people. All right, moving on. So we're talking about the messenger, that's us. Messenger, we're saints. We're supposed to be living godly lives, trusting in godly things, using the word of God so that we understand how to live, how to serve, how to present the message in such a way that people hear it. Now the message. Okay, moving on. We're going to go, uh, starting in verse 18, we're going to go down to 25. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, and this comes from Isaiah 29, 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And this was kind of, the, you know, he's talking about what's going on in the period of time. Wisdom was a huge issue. They would stand on the gates and dispute and go back and forth and talk and talk and talk. And, you know, the Greeks were just, they were developing this incredible mindset of logic that was just indisputable. The Jews, on the other hand, they were doing similar things, but they were big disputers of the word, disputers of 
scripture. And they say, well, but so-and-so says this, and such-and-such says that, and oh, but this verse says this. And they would go back and forth and back and forth and dispute and dispute and dispute. And it became all about trying to find this one perfect little word of truth and understanding for both groups. And God's going, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> I'm the truth, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's like, He's taking all of these things that are happening and saying, no, that's not what it's about. You've, you've kind of lost the forest for the trees. It comes back to who Christ is and what he's done. And that's where the foundation is laid. And so the message here, first we have to understand that when we're going to try to talk to unsaved people about it, they're going to see it as foolishness. I don't get that. You know, and I'm not saying me. People will say, I don't get it. I, that's, there's no way it's that simple. I, I don't know how many times I've heard that. You know, oh, you know, it's like that, it can't be that simple. If it's that simple, everybody would be doing it. Well, but you're not doing it. Well, that's beside the point. It's, it's just too simple. It's, it gets crazy. But it's like we can't get caught up in arguing, really. See, it's it's coming to that place where, and it's cool. We know the truth. And I don't want to say, say that in an arrogant and condescending way, but it's like, okay, God has given us this truth to, to use and to speak and to interact with people, but we don't have to make anything happen. And I think that's where we struggle. You know, we think, oh, we've failed. I think that's the enemy. You know, it's like we present the truth and we present something godly and, you know, something comes back and it just comes back negatively and we think, oh, we failed. And the enemy goes, yeah, see, well, you're probably not even a Christian. Look, look at how you mess that up. And we get so kind of then introspective and looking, going, oh, what did we do? What did we do wrong? And we get caught up in some of these other things, like I mentioned earlier, as messengers. Some kind of a, you know, a program or certain, you know, A, B, elemental, X, Y, Z, CDO, and, you know, if we present these things this way, it's going it's to lead somebody down this path, and X, Y, Z, and boom, everybody's going to land here. Not necessarily. But see, the coolness of being Christians filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by him is the Holy Spirit will go, move over here and go, well, it doesn't make sense to move over there, but you said I'll move over there, so I'll, okay. Oh, okay. And something happens. And you go, okay. That did not happen the way I thought it was going to happen. So maybe we trust a little bit more. And then the Holy Spirit says, you know what? That person over there really needs you to say something to them. And you go, way over there? Really? But it's like, that's not super convenient at the moment, but okay, I guess I'll go over there. And you kind of move over here and the Holy Spirit says, okay, now say rutabaga. And you go, that doesn't even make sense. And why would I even say that? But you know, hey, how are you? Yeah, oh yeah, nice day, everything. Yeah. You plant any rutabagas or anything? Why would you say that? And obviously I'm using, you know, God wouldn't be that, well, he could be that outlandish, I don't know. But the thing is, is being led by the Spirit and then moving in that activity, you get to see God work. You get to see his hand just guide you down this incredible path of listening and then acting on it. And you get to be a part of this amazing story of life. And it's not just going through the motions. It's not just like, I go to church and I read my Bible and this is the Christian life. It's like, no. I partner with God on a daily basis to, to hear him speak and to be led and move down the path and to sometimes have to stop. And sometimes it's like, you want to say something to someone and he's going, uh-uh, 
not now. And you go, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't God want me to say something? Of course he would want me to say something. And he knows, if there's one thing I've learned about God, impeccable timing. He knows when stuff needs to go down. And sometimes he'll go, nope, this is not the time. They are not ready for that word. Just roll back. And so it's like this message becomes something that becomes part of our life and part of other people's lives and part of moving in such a way where we get to see God's hand at work. And I'll tell you personally, I'm addicted to that. I love to see God working because it's like he puts things together, things that couldn't come together any other way. And I know some of you have experienced some of those miraculous things where it's like, this doesn't even make sense how this happened, but here it is. Put your confidence in knowing what is seen as foolishness of God is wiser than men. And don't, don't miss this. On purpose. God has done this with purpose. It's intentional. Put your confidence in knowing what is seen as the weakness of God is stronger than men. On purpose. See, I mean, if you think about it, the easiest thing for God to do would be to, you know, just kind of roll in on the clouds, and just blast people out. That would be the easiest thing for him to do. But he loves people, and he cares for people, and he's not about death and dying and all these things. He wants to restore life and redeem life and bring these things back. And he pleads with people regularly. Don't deny me. Don't walk away from me. Don't reject this unbelievable gift I've given you. Don't do it. And that's why he is long-suffering and caring and goes the extra mile to try to at least even save one that is willing to be saved. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be part of that message. But it's putting our confidence in these other things and not ourselves. Standing firm in the power of God. Not in our own strength. Because we're going to fail in our own strength. You know, people struggle with salvation. can't be that simple. If you want to be the greatest of all, you must be a servant of all. Well, that doesn't make sense. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. What? That's craziness. Rejoice in your suffering. Well, now you've really gone off the edge. Don't worry about anything. Pray for everything. Well, that's just a defeatist attitude. Why would you do that? Give liberally and cheerfully. Cheerfully? Come on. Who gives anything cheerfully? Persevering when you want to give up. Being content no matter what your circumstances are. Not living for the temporal, but the eternal. Living by faith and not by sight. Craziness. Who would live this way? Believers. The messages seem foolish and weakly postured to people outside the house of faith. That's why we need to prove the truth of these things by living them out. Living proudly. Living out loud. Allowing our lives to be a witness and a testimony, to be the salt, to be the light. We don't always have to be hammering on someone, but there are people who are gifted to do that. 
I, I'm in awe. I mean, I do okay <laughs> witnessing the people. I do all right. Um, but the people that are gifted at evangelism and can take any kind of a circumstance and turn it into a witnessing opportunity, that's a gift. And it's cool to watch. Uh, and there's, I, I'm looking out here, there's a couple of people I know who are like that. And it's cool. Because it's God using us all with the gifts, with the talents, with the abilities that he provided for us to be the message. And we struggle. Like, the, you know, the, we have the parable of the body where it's like, oh, I want to be an eye, I want to be an elbow, I want to be a this. And we struggle because we see some of these, these gifts in action and we go, oh, I want that. But guess what? You will be even more enamored by who God is and how he works when you exercise your gift. Because then you get to experience God's power and his strength and his leading through you. And the message gets cranked up even louder in your life. That's an incredible message. Don't miss it. Couple questions and we'll move on. What message do you continue to not believe because it doesn't make sense to you or seems illogical? There's biblical truths. There's tons of them. Which ones have you just kind of like, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me. Oh. God's ways are not our ways. And he's been perfectly clear about that. He's even said such words. My ways are not your ways. <laughs> and he calls us to change. What message didn't make sense to you but worked out like God said it would? Because I know there have been some. There's been things that it's like, you fought it. Like, no, this is, uh, no, no. And then God finally broke you. <laughs> and you go, okay, I'm going to live this way. And you're like, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I live this way earlier? Why didn't I trust God more? Simple obedience changed my life. Because I just approached it, God says do this, and I just did it. And I have been, you know, blessed in all kinds of ways, just, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, look at me. I was just approaching God that simply. He says it, I'll do it. And there were times that I fought it. <laughs> there were times that I didn't like it. But I trust God that much. I mean, think about it. He created us. He knows every intricacy of who we are. He must know how it works as the master builder. He must. And why would we fight the master builder on how to make it all work together? But we do. Because our feelings can deceive us. Our heart can completely override us on certain things. And the hard part with that is, is then we miss out. We get robbed. And that's tragic. Because sometimes I know people, and it just breaks my heart, they blame Christian living or being a Christian as just not working. And that kills me. 
Because the first thing you want to say, I want to say is, you haven't been living like one. How could you think? How could you even know? And those are hard words to say. But it's truth. That's why we have got to have the same mind and the same heart and the unity to come together and say, we're not going to let people say that anymore. We're going to prove it works. It makes a difference. It matters. When you align yourself to God's truth, it can be amazing. Because it can be. But we've got to come together and start living that way. And again, it's not, I think we struggle with, it, it's not going to look identical for everybody. But it should have the same thread and the same message woven through each of our individual messages. All righty, cranking on. Third thing, we talked about messengers. That's us, saints, believers. We've talked about the message, the fact that people are going to see it sometimes as completely foolish. Um, we need to stand firm on God's power, put confidence in knowing some things, and living it out in our life. That's going to be key. We have to bring it into our life and live it out in such a way so people can see it. And then thirdly is the method. And this is key. This is key. Uh, going back to verse 26 in chapter 1. It says, For you see... You're calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen. Don't miss that. <coughs> Excuse me. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring nothing, the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord." And this becomes the key. God has chosen these things intentionally. God has chosen these things with purpose. And one of the things I, I hear so often from people is, well, uh, you know, Moses was, was key. I can't speak. I just can't speak. So, you know, it's like getting out of jury duty. You know, it's like, oh, how can I get out of this? You know, oh, I'm sniffling today, or you know, oh, I would, you know, I would put them, put them all to death, whatever. And we do that sometimes with just embracing the Christian life in such a way where it's transformative. And it's like, okay, God says that I'm not just some menial nothing. I am everything to God. If I was the only person on the planet, he would have come for me. He would have died for me. His value for me is way up there. And so it's like, okay, I don't trust it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. But God says he wants to use me. Okay, I'm going to go for it. 
God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. There is so much out there today, and now it's, you know, it's on Google or YouTube or pick a social media thing. It's out there in force. And you know, I, most of it's not truth, and most of it's not accurate, and most of it's somebody's opinion about something. And that, I think, is why God specifically chose some of these things that are going to be so simple, so easy, that can refute some of this crazy logic that's out there. Because I'll be honest, there are, there are, there's a lot of stuff in this world that, you know, yeah, that seems logical. That makes sense. Yes, you should live that way. But if it's in opposition to God's word, you've got to let the, the world's logic get tossed aside to adopt Scripture. It's just got to happen that way. Because that's the method that God's going to use to, and it, it kind of it becomes this cool snowball. Because it's like when you're using the right method to bring God's word into your life, it's going to change the message of your life, and then it's going to enhance you as a messenger. It all works together. But it's doing it God's way and understanding in God's power. And it's like, you know, we are so quick to pick up the, I'm going to try really hard, and I'm going to try to do this, and I'm going to try to make this, and we work and work and sweat and sweat and sweat, and God says, why don't you just rely on me? Why are you working so hard? I'm the power, I'm the source, I'm the fuel here, and you're just kind of spinning your wheels trying to do something that I can do easily. He's chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. Um, Acts 4.13, I love how how it puts this. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And see, that's, that's part of the method for us as believers. Be with Jesus. Because even if you're unlearned and ignorant, and I'll be, I mean, I have been unlearned and ignorant on many, many things. And I, there's still probably, there's more that I don't know that I know, for sure. But when I'm with Jesus, it changes who I am. And it has an opportunity to be a witness and a testimony to others as a result. And that's the method that God wants to use. God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. I mean, think about it. I mean, to me, I I don't know what story your brain goes to immediately, but it's David and Goliath. This is nuts. This is crazy. A kid and five stones against this guy with all this armor and stuff makes no sense. But if you want to see the miraculous happen in your life, trust God, trust his truth, trust his ways, trust how he leads you, and you can be that David that's fighting some other Goliath. Today. That's the thing. I, I think we forget. We think this is just... Yes, this is history, but what, what's the cool thing we always hear about history? It does what? Repeats itself. I think some of this stuff can happen today. Yes, the David's going to look different, and yes, the Goliath's going to look different. But I still think that when God's in it, we have the power to take some things down. 
but it's got to be trusting in him, being led by him. That's the method he uses. Not our own thinking or in our own ways. God has chosen the things that are despised to put to shame those who value the wrong things. And boy, oh boy, if there's not a whole long list of things that are despised today. And I believe Christians are pretty close to the top of that list. See, real truth, real power scares people. It scares people. But see, we're saints. We're messengers of the Father. We can trust and rely on him for protection, for guidance, for everything that we need. Back to verse uh, 31, I'm sorry. It says, As it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You know, Jesus is the word. The more we get into the word, the more we get to know him, the more we become more like him, the more we'll understand God's methods. Mark 1.22 says, And they were astonished at his, Jesus, doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And see, that it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier. He's the master builder. He's got it all put in place. He knows how it all works. And so when he talks, he talks with authority. He talks with these things that people are like, I've just pondered that, but wow, that makes even more sense than what I was thinking. Because God knows what he's talking about. And we've got to trust that. And sometimes it defies human logic. It just does. So God has chosen this method intentionally for a reason, and we need to yield to it and embrace it and become a part of it. And and when you do that, I can promise you, you will start to see and feel God working in your life. And it's a cool place to be. So a couple questions. Are you willing to trust in the power of God over foolish, weak, or despised things? That's the thing. Some of the things God's asked us to do are challenging. But are you willing to trust him more than those things that are preventing you from walking in his ways, living in his truth? The thing that always baffles me is this next question. is How is it that we are so quick to trust God for eternity and to do what's necessary for that, but we're so slow to trust him for the here and now and yield our will for him today? I just, it baffles me. And I think, you know, eternity's for a lot of us, right? It's way, way out there. And for some of us, getting closer every day. And it's easy to do it when it's far, far away. But, you know, God says, no, I want you to live for me today. I want you to do these things today. I want you to incorporate these things in your life today. Because not only will they help you today, they will help you in eternity. So just a quick recap hopefully leave you with just some food for thought. For those who are unbelieving, God's messengers are without influence, power, or prestige, oftentimes. Because belief precedes understanding, which is how God works. God's message requires belief in what is unseen. He wants faith before sight. God's method requires total dependence on another, and that being Jesus, no human effort. Obedience first, 
reward second. For those who believe, the hearers often become messengers, the unseen becomes real, and the method removes fear. Because when you're living and experiencing what God says to be true, and you're seeing it happen day in and day out, there is no fear. It's all gone away because your trust in the Lord becomes so dynamic. And you may do things you would never, ever see yourself doing, just walking in obedience to God, which is so cool. So hopefully I've captured your attention enough to remind you that we are messengers for the Lord, whether good or not. Our message is simple and is most powerful when our lives reflect the truth, the truth that we are talking to people about in some cases. And the method God asks us to use is intentional, with purpose, and more powerful than any fancy communication gimmicks we could ever come up with or try to overcome. Christian life is simple. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? Just ah, simple. Say that, simple. Simple. Let's not complicate it. Let's just enjoy it and embrace it. But more importantly, let's see God work. Because see, that's what he wants to do. So pray with me. Father, we're thankful for uh, the, the truth of your word. And Father, we ask that uh, as messengers for you, we would stay true to the message and that we, we would stay true to the method. Uh, Lord, you've empowered us in so many ways and provided so many tools. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to become just so skillful in using your word and the spirit and faith um, that we can just blow up our Christian life in a positive way, in the way where we are witnesses, we are testimony, we are salt, we are light, and that people see Christ in our life and that that becomes attractive to them and that we have even more opportunities and um, instances where we can proclaim the word of Christ. We're thankful, Lord, for just being able to come together again and share uh, our lives with one another in fellowship. And uh, we just praise you and thank you now that you would carry us through this next week and everything that it holds. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Have an excellent week. <laughs>